This is a podcast about the hardcore community. Made by and for those who live authentic lives and embrace hard truths. We archive the stories of the bands and people who make this lifestyle possible. I'm Josh Lyon. And I'm Greg Benoit. And this is the Hardcore Archive Podcast. All right, so welcome to Hardcore Archive Podcast. I'm Greg. And tonight we have uh, Evan Duckett, who's uh, vocals for uh, Buffalo's Final Declaration. Evan, how you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to awesome. be here. Thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, so I wanted to hit up a couple different topics, um, but I think the way we usually start these um, is to kind of ask people how you got into hardcore in the first place. So if you could tell us like a little bit about how how you came to find hardcore and how you came to start a band. Yeah, so um, I grew up in the Southern Tier, um, a little town called Wellsville, which is kind of middle of nowhere town, uh, not far from Olean, um, which kind of had a, a somewhat thriving scene when I was younger. Um, like what so, years? Uh, what years is that? So I graduated from high school in 2009. Um, the first, my first memory of seeing anything in the realm of punk or hardcore live was um, my mom took my cousin and I to Warp Tour 2003, which was, I think, the first year it was at Darien Lake. Um, and two things that really stuck out in my mind at that was, um, one, I saw Big D in the kids table play in like one of those stages, like under a tent, basically like a stage on like the dirt ground under a tent. Um, and I think like I was, I was a skater kid at the time. So like I had heard things in like the ska and punk realm before. So that like drew me in, you know, um, I was playing like Tony Hawk's pro skater heavily in those days. And I know for a lot of people, my age, honestly, the Tony Hawk's pro skater soundtrack also was like a huge entryway into punk and hardcore and metal and hip hop too. Um, so I saw big D in the kids table there, but then I also saw poison the well there. And that was like, that was something different for me. That was something that I had never seen before. I'd never heard before. I'd never heard breakdowns like that. So that sucked me in. And I came from, I come from a family where like music is important. Um, you know, my parents were always listening to all kinds of music growing up. Um, my mother, when she was in high school, her family moved back home to Salamanca, but she spent the first like 16 ish years of her life um, living in Manhattan 68th and second um so you know she was she was a kid and then also in her college years going to CBGB's going to see you know Iggy Pop at CB's and the New York Dolls and things like that um and also into you know like that classic wing of punk but also really into classic rock so you know I always heard kind of everything growing up um with the exception of like pop music um I'm a big pop music fan now like I shamelessly love pop and radio pop um but she was always more in like the rock and roll uh wing of things you know I, I heard a lot of like the who the talking heads Jethro Tull stuff like that um but then being at Warp Tour and seeing Poison the Well I was like oh this is something different and then not long after that maybe like a year or two later um I was kind of like really immersed 
in finding out about new music, both, you know, through being like a skate rat, but also that was kind of in the time when, you know, things like LimeWire and SoulSeek and things like that were really, really getting big. Um, and I was just hearing all kinds of stuff. And I liked everything in the like aggressive music realm. Like to me, I, I was young enough that like hardcore and punk and metal, it was kind of all just one like amorphous blob. So, you know, I was hearing like, screamo and i was hearing like street punk like the casualties but i was also into rancid but i was also into like billy talent but i was also into you know metalcore like things like that um and only in at that time i kind of i caught the tail and there used to be a venue there the cobra law um that i think like buried alive played at at some point i, I kind of caught the tail end of that but when I was probably 13, 14, 15, there was a place, the only an art space there. Um, they would have shows fairly regularly. And Olean was only like 30 minutes from Wellsville. So I was getting rides out there and I was seeing bands. It was a lot of local bands. Um, sometimes touring bands would come through. Um, but that was kind of really my first integration into those things. And then I slowly started trickling into going and seeing shows in Buffalo too. Um, and ironically, the person who really got me into going to shows in Buffalo was Donnie Arthur, who plays guitar in Final Declaration, also plays in Spaced. Um, Donnie's like one of my oldest friends at this point. I knew him because at the time he was playing first in Cute is What We Aim For, and then he was doing his own like solo kind of bright eyesy type thing, talking in my sleep. And I had met him through that. And then he started singing for this band uh, by Autumn's End, which was kind of like Southern metalcore in the realm of like when Every Time I Die was doing the Southern metalcore thing, kind of the same thing. They were on Hand of Hope, which was like part of Eulogy. Um, so I would go see by Autumn's End shows at like the Buffalo Icon and things like that. And, you know, what, through that, I ended up seeing like the Red Chord and like Death of Fort Dishonor and stuff. But then one day I was in Buffalo for a couple nights with my family. I had cousins here growing up and uh, Donnie had messaged me on AOL Instant Messenger and wanted me to come to this show at the venue that was known as AMVETS Post 13, which at the time was where all the shows were going on. Joe Riverside was booking all of them. Um, and he was like, you got to come to the show, but like, just so you know, like it's a very different vibe than like seeing a by Autumn's end show at, at the icon or something. And it was, um, I want to say rhinoceros played that day. Um, X never again, X from Ohio played. I remember, um, I think the world we knew played. So very much of the like straight edge mosh hardcore, of the time that was probably 2005. So I was 14, maybe it was 2006, I was 15. Um, and that was where I really got integrated. That, that was my first experience of like being at like actual Buffalo hardcore shows and realizing like, this is my place. So that was what kind of kicked everything off for me was eventually finding that scene in AMVETS, but still, you know, at the time, going up to Buffalo, going to shows, but then also my friends in Olean and I, like, we were going to shows in Rochester, too. Like, we were, you know, when I was 15, 16, 17 years old, we were driving up for shows at the Penny Arcade and sometimes shows at Water Street and things like that. So I was kind of going all over, bouncing between scenes and just seeing as much as I could.
Yeah, there's a, a lot of nostalgia for me in that in everything that you just said there from like AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah, I can like hear the like little bloops and yep. noises going off in my head right now. But um, I, I, I was in a band um, called Witness that played a show at a skate park in Olean. It was probably like 2003. Allegheny Skate Park, probably. Yeah, yeah, that, that yep. sounds right. That sounds yep. right. In, in, indoor skate park, lots of BMX bikers. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I was like really impressed with how diverse the scene was in that little town. Like you had punks and hardcore kids and yeah. kids who were into metal and like goths who probably had nowhere else to go. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I booked a show there once actually when I was in high school. Um, actually, weirdly enough, someone a band from Canada played called King of Kings and uh, one of the guitarists just found the flyer on a hard drive and sent it to me the other day. And we're coming up on like, it was right around St. Patrick's day. So like we just hit like the anniversary of it. And I booked this show there that was like rhinoceros played King of Kings from Canada. Um, a couple Rochester bands played, I think tough times played um, which if you remember them, like what Jeremy Valenti and Dave yeah. Lawrence, and those guys, um, and then a couple Olean bands played. Um, at the time, there was this kind of funny thing in Olean called, they just called it X Jock Rock X. And it was like a revolving thing where whoever was around and was straight edge at the show would just like pick up instruments. And like there was no set songs, like people would just start playing sounds <laughs> and someone would sing and it was just stupid. Um, but yeah, I did that show there that was one of the first shows I ever booked. And uh, it was same kind of thing. You know, it was like people drove down from Buffalo from for it. People drove down from Rochester and then like the Olean scene, you know, Olean was one of those scenes where like, there wasn't like a hundred just straight up hardcore kids dependable every show. So it was kind of a melding scene, you know, like the metal kids were there. The, like, so the punks were there, the hardcore kids, the metalcore kids, it was kind of all one thing and everybody would go to all the shows. Um, so like, I gotta, I gotta catch my thoughts here, but like Olean reminded me like a lot of um, another city, which you've probably been to shows at Bath. Like it's just yeah. like this little town out in the middle of nowhere. And, yep. you know, you wouldn't think people would be into like punk or hardcore, but I guess there's like not a whole lot, you know, productive to do. Yeah. So, Bath, like, Bath had a scene in those days. Hornell had a scene in those days. Um, all those like little towns. I remember like Dansville had a scene, like horse heads would have shows like, so like all those, all the and they would usually like shows would be in like churches or something or like youth centers. It, it's kind of funny how like every small town used to have like its own scene in those days. Yeah, no, I've had like some of the best experiences were like that. That only end show was good that we played, and then I played a, with a variety of band shows in Bath, and it was yeah. always fun because there's like you know not a whole lot going on, so right. why not? Yeah. Um, uh, Jeremy, uh, was he was he also in a band called On the Ropes? Yeah, I think he was in On the Ropes, um, and then he was, you know, what, he was in Burn This City. Um, you know, Jeremy was kind of always in, like, the mosh bands of the time in Rochester. Um, okay, I, might be, I might be mixing him up with a different Jeremy, but I think I think he had, like, some affiliation with On the Ropes. Uh. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy's, like, face tattoo guy. And in those days, he wore that red first blood, first fucking blood hoodie, like every show. Um, 
and tough times existed. That was, I remember it was Jeremy. It was Dave Larson. Uh, it was the guy, Ian, I can't remember his last name. He might be dead now. Um, I think he passed away and it was funny because there was tough times. And then at the same time, Chris Pogue also had hanging tough. So like there was like tough times and hanging tough in Rochester. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember, I remember, uh, I remember hanging tough. Um, uh, so then jumping on to the next kind of, um, you know, the next, the next question then, uh, you mentioned like booking shows, um, yeah. and Olean, is that, is that something you do in Buffalo as well too? Yeah. Well, so the, that show at Allegheny skate park was the only one I ever booked in Olean. I booked a few shows when I was in high school. So like the next town over from Wellsville is called Sio and Sio, like, I mean, the graduating class in Sio is like, I don't know, 40 kids. Like it's a small town, right? It's literally named that because the railroad stop that was there used to be coded SC10. So they just called it Sio. So like, there's nothing there. Right. But when I was like 14, someone right on the edge of town built one of those like big modular warehouse looking buildings except it was a teen nightclub and arcade and like pizzeria. Right. So it was where all, like everyone would go Friday, Saturday nights, they'd be playing club music. It was literally like, you know, like a grimy nightclub, but for teenagers. And I got the idea. I was like, Oh, I approached them. Like, could I book bands here? And they were like, I mean, I guess. So I did a couple shows with like a bunch of locals there. And then kind of the biggest one I did. And I still to this day don't fully know how this came about. Um, I got it again, an AOL instant message at like three o'clock in the morning from this guy in Portland, Tony, who, I'm um, sorry. I just got a frog in my throat. Um, Tony sang for a band or sings for a band called American Me that was a Rise Records band at the time, still might be, um, real moshy metalcore band. And I got a message out of the blue that he was doing this tour, American Me headlining, looking for a date in Western New York. And someone had told him I was a good kid and I should book a show. So I was like, okay, whatever. Um, so I booked this show and it's American Me it's a band called I Wrestle the Bear once was with them, which was like a grindcore. Yeah, I band. remember them. And then the opener on the tour, and this is crazy. It was their first, I think their first like big tour ever was Stray from the Path, who like now is, you know, a giant band, like plays like thousand cap venues. You know, they're fucking huge. They tour year round. I mean, they, you know, they, they, sell out they play festivals in europe and headline and like all kinds of shit like that but straight from the path played it um when they were just like these kids from long island whose like calling card was they covered bulls on parade every set um so i booked that show and i put a couple locals on and it's just like this like rise records tour and uh that was kind of a crazy thing to have happen in a town of like 200 people in rural New York. So that was like the, the nexus of me booking shows, but yeah. So then I, I do 
I book shows in Buffalo. I have for a while. It's sporadic. It's not all the time. Yeah, it's always fun to see like what becomes of like bands that are just kind of like a one-off and you don't think of much of there's like um like one of my things I like to do is collect show flyers of Rochester bands, um, whether the show's in Rochester or somewhere else. And uh I've got one that's got like I think it's like Fallout Boy and um maybe like brand new like opening for like a hardcore show in Syracuse, and it's just like clearly like the pop punk bands, like that was that yeah. was like the best they could muster. Yeah. And then probably one of my favorite things is like um I saw every time I die, the first time they played in Rochester, they played in this like basement club at RIT called the Claw. A fun yeah. little side note, they had that they like built this like I don't know what it was, like rock club for basically just for students to yeah, use. Sure. Um, and they put it in the basement of the dormitories for the for the wow. deaf kids. Like wow. it was uh but seeing them in that basement was like you know it was cool i got their demo but then like years later they're like playing on jimmy kimmel and i'm like flipping my yeah. shit i'm like mom they're you, you know, right. trying to explain to my mom like hey you, you don't know you don't know how cool this is for me yeah um, before we move on from uh kind of the southern tier uh mm -hmm. wellsville uh my understanding is that is the setting of the tv show pete and pete is that uh so that's there's much debate because there's also a wellsville ohio and Wellsville, New York and Wellsville, Ohio actually used to play each other in a high school football game every year. It's like a gimmick. Um, <laughs> but I do believe that um, based on like people have done like deep dives into the show, like episodes, like certain drives, road trips that they take, how long it takes to get to certain places, whatever, that it's got to be Wellsville, New York. Yeah. None of it was ever filmed there. Um, you know, it's like kind of a, I guess kind of like the movie um, it's a wonderful life takes place yeah. in Seneca falls, but other than principal photography, they didn't film a single second of it there. So it's oh. like one of those things. Um, but yeah, that's the, the popular understanding is that Wellsville, New York is the site of uh, Pete and Pete. And honestly, like Wellsville sleepy little town is an amazing place to grow up. Um, you know, it's like classic small town America. You know, we've got like a hot dog diner, the Texas hot that's been there since the 1920s that like may have been one of the original places to serve Texas hots. And we had a huge hot air balloon festival every summer. Um, and we did for a while have like a little skate park there that was in the back of like the Christian Youth Center, but it was like built a skate park in a warehouse and actually would let us they let us do shows there sometimes as well so sometimes we would have a show or two with like some local bands in wellsville so bands would come from like hornell to play bands would come from Olean to play things like that um but yeah so i i came up to to buffalo in 2009 for college and kind of just stayed ever since um and around that time it was like the transition from amvets over to the funeral home and that was getting into the prime of the funeral home year. So that was like, I was in undergrad and just, you know, going to shows at the funeral home every week, multiple times a week, things like that. And then I would sort of sporadically book shows here and there, you know, it would be like every couple of years I would do one. Um, one, this, one that really sticks out is I, I did a show at Broadway Joe's once that was, uh, and Broadway Joe's was Broadway Joe's was around for forever. Um, 
but in the later years of it, it kind of became known as the place that like every like death tour, death core tour would come through and there'd be like 30 paying kids kind of thing. Um, but I booked this show there. I booked cruel hand malfunction wild side. Um, and then at the time, Derek Dole and Jesse Moscato and some guys had a band called wreckage. They were on it. And then the, through like a snafu, someone else had tried to book um, hollow earth and from hell from Michigan there that night. So I absorbed those bands and put on this like seven band show at Broadway Joe's that had like, I think like 300 paid. It was like packed out wild side open covering long way down by goo dolls. The security <laughs> guards working were looking at me like, who, who are you? And how are there so many people here? I was like, I don't know. I, booked a cool show and promoted it book bands people want to see so that kind of always has been like I, I'm more involved with booking now because frankly when I was younger like Joe Riverside just booked everything and I owe pretty much everything in terms of hardcore that I have and I'm a part of to Joe because he opened up the scene to my whole generation of Buffalo hardcore and kept it going for a lot of years um, when it was kind of fizzling, but like rhinoceros would end up playing every show because there would always be like 200 people there when they played kind of thing. Um, but then once Joe kind of transitioned out of booking shows, some slack needed to be picked up. So now I'm, I'm more involved with more regularly booking things now. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, that's a great throwback to a classic Buffalo band that has like surprising hardcore roots to to cover goo goo dolls i wonder if they learned that just for that show or if that's like something they just plugged in their repertoire uh yeah wild, wild side has kind of always uh they always pull out a cool cover like at that show they did long way down straight into a misfits cover and then played wild side songs um but i mean i've seen them remember one year at heart fest in montreal they opened their set covering master of puppets they only had a 15 minute set on the fest and they played all of master of puppets to start like all seven minutes or whatever oh that's awesome like yeah, it's stuff like that you know they, they just they they are down to like whip out like the awesome goofy cover always i love i can't say enough about wild side both musically and the people in it yeah, they just played cool. Rochester and they like blew my yeah. mind with all the whammy bar that they were yeah. like using it. That was like fucking awesome. Like more hardcore bands got to use whammy bars. Like that's yeah. something em we Emmett's need like Emmett's like fully like classic rock guy now. You know, he's like rocking the bell bottoms and like yeah. bell bottoms and the like leather jacket and the long hair and just, just straight up shredding. Like he is an unbelievable guitarist. Yeah, no, it was like some Van Halen level shit going on in that band now. Yeah. That was like a great For show sure. to watch. For um, sure. So uh, you mentioned like some of some of uh, some stuff that's going on in Buffalo. And yeah. right now it seems like Buffalo has like a really thriving scene with a lot of new bands. Do you mind just giving like just a quick uh, a quick scene report? Um, yeah. Uh, some so of the, the, the most recent developments. Yeah, I, I was talking about this the other night. Um for like my whole existence in Buffalo hardcore, there was always just like one band at a time. And I say that not that like, of course there was other bands. There was always, you know, several local bands all the time, but like there was always one band that was like 
playing outside of Buffalo, you know, where people other than us knew who they were for a long time. That was rhinoceros. Rhinoceros was done. Then it was malfunction. You know, it was that kind of thing. But now for the first time that I can remember, we have this whole slate of bands that are not only playing shows in Buffalo, but going and playing fests and going and playing other places. So like, obviously final declaration plays out exhibition tours all the time. Violent way is getting huge. Spaced is obviously huge. Um, now smash and grab um and then things are are spinning off of like the exhibition violent way kids you know there's big dog now um and then like things that aren't like pure hardcore but like still related like science man it's going everywhere science man is fucking incredible yeah every time they played i've been like it's not the music i usually go for but every time they play i'm like blown away by the show they put on john as a front man is like everything you could want in aggressive music like he's weird he's chaotic he just looks so cool on stage all the time you know like that bug jar show he was like front flipping off of the pa like crazy shit um so it's it's really cool to be in buffalo and i mean you know other like pure heel goes and plays out like juggernaut goes and plays out so we have all these like bands now we have for the first time like a growing scene and now it's like some of the younger bands like we have fatal visions now which ron the drums for us sings for fatal visions with like everyone else in that band it's like their first hardcore band that they're in um we've got this new young band now auto ignition that just played at a hardcore show the other day for the first time and they're like they're all like 16 years old and they're playing straight up like first record saves the day type pop punk Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't know. I don't even, it, I mean, I know the answer. It's the internet, but like 16 year olds that want to play pop punk gravitating in, in the modern day, gravitating to that instead of like, you know, the, like, for lack of a better term, like Darien Lake pop punk like, yeah, yeah. Or stuff that you go see at town ballroom is crazy to me, but it's also so cool. Um, and it's like, you know, there were some lean years, like the funeral home, spoiled us because the funeral home was like every show was good right like it could be four regional bands from the midwest that no one had ever heard of on a tuesday night in february and there's 125 paid easily like no doubt about it and then some of those bigger shows i mean that like five-year period at the funeral home there will be like a documentary of it someday or like hate five six will get a hold of the the set footage every set that ever happened there is on youtube clint filmed everyone and he has it up on a youtube account um and i mean every like every time i die played there title fight played there earth crisis terror trapped under ice bane like you know what i mean everyone played there um and every hardcore tour from like 2009 to 2014 2015 came through Buffalo because everyone knew you wanted to play the funeral home. And then the funeral home in the blink of an eye vanishes, you know, like literally one minute power trip is playing there. And five minutes later, the funeral home is done for good. And then there was those couple, there was a couple of shows that had been booked for the funeral home that had to be held elsewhere. One was turnstiles first tours, turnstile and angel dust, their first tour. And then the other was nails and Sabalba. And then after that, um, 
for all intents and purposes, Buffalo hardcore kind of went dormant for a year or two um, because it was in an in-between period where Sugar City didn't have a space. They It was after their original location on Allen Street. They didn't have the Niagara Street location yet. So there was like, there was nowhere to do a hardcore show. There would be like a basement show, sometimes punk bands, whatever, but that was it. So things kind of fizzled out. And what happened then was stuff fizzled out and a lot of the people went with it, right? Um, And you can't necessarily blame them. Like all of a sudden, the only shows are if you're willing to travel to Rochester or Syracuse um, or like Erie. But in those days, we didn't really, we didn't fuck with Erie too much. We didn't go down there because of, you know, some stuff that went on with between Buffalo and Erie kind of thing. Um, or like travel to fests. And then when malfunction started up, it kind of, or malfunction was already going, but malfunction kept that going a little bit. But then in 2016 malfunction breaks up, right. Kind of last minute, like culture abuse was playing a show at the new sugar city and malfunction was in like Alabama or Mississippi or something the day before and decided like, yeah, we're done, drove home, played that culture review show as their last show, and that was it. Um, and that was kind of, that really took things out. And for a couple of years, there there wasn't a lot. And it's been like a slow build back. Um, you know, the exhibition kids, they they have a, a number of bands that they've done. You know, it started with like Clear Focus and then War By Other Means into exhibition, um, and like Donnie had burn book at the time and stuff, but there was, you know, there wasn't a ton going on. Um, and we would do shows at Sugar City. Some of them would do really well. Some shows would be like perplexingly poorly attended, right? You just never knew. But now we're at a place where both through having a couple of reliable DIY venues in Timeless Babes and Area 54 at Amy's Place, um, the firm sometimes for a bigger space. And also Chris Ring very graciously letting us do some bigger shows at Rec Room, um, like the Drain show that I did there um, back in October, you know, things like that. Um, we've got spaces, we've got bands, we've got kids. And like, I did a show at Timeless Babes back early February um, for a couple like really young bands, Not One Truth from uh new jersey and hate still burns from massachusetts with just a couple locals saturday night you know bands nobody's really heard of i didn't know what to expect and i think we got like 70 paid at that you know it's good um so we're getting back to where you know these shows at area 54 you know 100 paid 100 plus um i mean that that the drain coyo life's question wild side etc show that i did at rec room like 300 paid on a Tuesday night that I, you know, and I know drain is like an exception. Um, but just the other night, Donnie booked military gun on an off date of their tour with white reaper at rec room space played science man played fatal visions played a band from Rochester carpool played um, again, packed out. So we're kind of finally at long last after, you know, five, six, seven years of like lean times uh we're at a point where like 
people are coming to shows, young kids are coming to shows, seeing a lot of like young punk kids in like battle vests with all the patches on them and stuff. And they just like their faces light up. Um, I heard one of them at a show recently, like say to his friends, like, he has like huge grin on his face. He's like, this is like a real scene. Like, this is so cool. I've never experienced this before. And that was like the feeling that I had when I was a kid going to Amvets every weekend. And I'm just really excited that that seems to be back in Buffalo now. It's, it's awesome that you're paying it forward. Um, and I got to say that Timeless Babes uh, shop seems like a real gem to have. Um, it is. They and they're moving like- on to Allen Street as well. So they're not going to be all the way out in Tonawanda anymore. They're going to be in an even easier to reach location. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw that on social media. They've got kind of like a vibe that um, reminds me of, and I've never been there, but like that program skate shop in in, uh, California where it's like by day, a a store that's doing some kind of like punk or hardcore adjacent (laughs) business. And then at night they're like booking killer shows. Yeah. Um, I got to say like Rochester right now is you know, like we've got a lot of newer bands um, and things are picking up. But like one thing we really lack is like a viable DIY all ages venue. And that's yeah. like so critical because without, you know, kids who are like 16, 17, 18 coming to shows like you, you can really only sustain it with the like old heads for so long. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah have this, I remember like, uh, for a while going to shows in Rochester at like Flying Squirrel and like Dublin Underground and things like that. Um, but, you know, like obviously bug jars there, but bug jars tough to do all, you know, you can't really wages yeah. there. And like, you know, they don't open until later the hours. So, you know, I, I feel like then you got the like problem, like parents aren't going to like want to drop their like 16 year old yes. off at a bar or something right. like flying scroll was good. Other than those like fucking stairs. If you like have to carry yeah. like one of those like Ampeg refrigerator crates up that yeah. thing, it's like break your back. Yep. Um, all right. Awesome. So let's, let's get on to final declaration. Um, yeah. Can you tell us like a little bit about how the band came together? Yeah. So Donnie had been trying to get me to do a band for a while. I had never done a band before. Like I was just content going to shows, booking shows here and there where I could, you know, helping out with whatever I could in the scene. Um, I played guitar when I was younger, but then I stopped doing that and I just never, I don't know. I just never did a band. I never, it never entered my mind to do it. I don't know why. So Donnie kept wanting to uh, do a band. And then uh, I was at his house summer 2019, spring 2019. um, And Ron was there. I didn't really know Ron well at the time. Because Ron, Ron's, I mean, Donnie is, a year or two older than me. I'm 32. Donnie's 33, 34. Ron is, you know, 24, maybe. So he's a fair bit younger. Um, And we were talking about it. And I was like, okay, I want to do a band that sounds like 100 Demons self-titled. And that was how Final Declaration was born. And obviously sounds nothing like 100 Demons self-titled, which is fine. You know, it's just, but that was like the impetus for it. Um, you know, I I knew that if I was going to do a band, I want I would I wanted it to be heavy. Um, I love everything in hardcore, but like my roots are in like, you know, the more metallic wing of things. You know, both through like Buffalo was big in like the Seventh Dagger 
straight edge scene because of rhinoceros bands like rhinoceros and tyrant and an arm for battle and things like that um and like sacred pledge from auburn would come play buffalo a lot things like that um but you know also heavily into throwdown and barrier dead and and terror and things like that um so i knew i wanted it to be heavy um and we just kind of got together in donnie's basement and it's like i feel so spoiled with it because the three of us just clicked instantly um we went and hung out in donnie's basement and donnie picked up his guitar and would start riffing and ron would just start drumming along and i'm not kidding like the first three songs that we wrote for the line in the sand were written that day the first day like three full songs like we were just sitting there three full songs boom and then like another hangout and we had like five or six songs total like they were just like flowing like water um and we we're like what are we going to do with all of this you know do we like write a demo whatever um and then we had the idea of you know we've got like nine or ten songs here what if we just secretly record an lp and nobody knows that we're a band until we announce an lp and like that sounds crazy but that's what we did um so like summer 2019 we write late summer we hit the studio we record line in the sand all of it um we recorded it with um a local guy here nick and then taylor young mixed it for us um and then audio siege mastered it um basically taylor is a good friend and was like you know you want me to mix this and like make it sound awesome i was like dude that would be incredible thank you um and obviously taylor is a master at what he does you know like right now in hardcore he's like one of the guys you know you can always tell taylor on production um so we had this thing mixed mastered ready to go and then it kind of fell perfectly um rotting out was doing a tour that fall with it was like stick to your guns and knocked loose and then rotting out in candy um and there was a toronto date of it rotting out couldn't go to Canada because of Wally's prison time. So rotting out played a one-off show at Mohawk place. Um, and we got booked on that. We didn't have to open for it being our first show, which is hilarious um, because like the flyer drops and it's got final declaration listed like second or third. And everyone's just like, what's final declaration? Cause we, we had only told like, couple close friends and like family that we were doing this like nobody most of our friends didn't know we were doing this right so like we play the show it's a war zone in hindsight i cannot believe that we didn't have somebody film that first set because it was crazy um and then we like announced the lp the next day and then released the lp um end of december that year and in the meantime so we played the rotting out show and then that December I booked um, terror was coming to town to do every time I die Christmas. 
So the night before we did a pre-show at Sugar City, a, a toy drive, like a Toys for Tots kind of thing um, with like Terror, Wild Side. Um, I think War by Other Means played, Wild Side played, Final Declaration played. So we did that. Um, and then we dropped the record. And then into like January 2020, we played... Um, Paul did the like clothing drive show at Montage in Rochester. So we played that the, I think hardcore for the homeless it was called. Mm -hmm. um, so we played that, that was awesome. And then we played our record release show at Casa di Francesca in Buffalo, which was this Italian restaurant that we were doing shows in the back of for a minute in South Buffalo. Um, the record release show was amazing. You know, we played, with some other locals, this little uh, grindhouse cafe in Buffalo. And then um, things were like picking up steam, right? Like we were booked um, April of that year to go play in Wilkes-Barre. Obviously that didn't happen because of COVID. Um, but we played, the last show we played before COVID was with Sheer Terror at Mohawk Place, like March, I don't know, 5th or something. Um, you know, obviously not knowing that like a week later, our lives were all going to end as we knew it for the foreseeable future. Um, so it was one of those things where like we came out of the gate super hot, like, yo, we're here. We're going to play shows. Here's an LP. Hope you guys like it, um, which is an insane style. And then, you know, stuff was going well. And then bloop, suddenly everything's gone. <laughs> Yeah, it was a tough time. Uh, how yeah. did you guys cope during like the lockdown and the the shutdown portion? Did you guys just like write like crazy, or did you just put things on ice? So we, I would say by like, you know, it's one of those things where like by early May, you know, we were at least comfortable enough to like just a couple of us be around each other. So we would get together at Donnie's in the basement and kind of like. You know, it's like easy enough to like all stay six feet apart, um, but still like write. So we started, you know, just kind of fucking around, writing some new riffs. Um, but then end of May, obviously, George Floyd gets murdered by the cops and, you know, stuff pops off like in Buffalo. It was crazy. Yeah. And I was like downtown at protests every day, like getting getting like tear gassed and shit um you know being in the middle of downtown of my city seeing it like a war zone you know just like canisters flying and like the cops like swinging batons at us and shit stuff i thought i'd never see um and we like we recorded like a mini set in donnie's basement um for like a local, you know, everyone was trying to do like YouTube based things, whatever. Someone did like a local showcase. We recorded like a three song set, which I think we have uploaded on streaming now. It's called like live from the basement or something. Um, but then we like, we kind of talked about, it. I was, and the, the origins of final declaration were always at least lyrically politically charged, right? Mm -hmm. Like line in the sand, you know, we, we tackle things like, you know, fucking the Trump presidency and cops and religion and, and all of that. And um, I was like, we gotta, we gotta write more 
And like, it's got to be even angrier than before because like, this is a fucked up world. Um, and like, we gotta, we have something of a platform, even as small as it is, you know, I want to use that for good. So we started writing the fight to survive songs. Um, and you know, it got to where by like fall 2020, you know, things were reopened. So we recorded with Jay Zubricki at GCR. Um, and we got in the studio like November 2020 and started tracking. Ron did all the drums in one day, you know, like nine songs in an intro in one day, like a straight up champ. Donnie started tracking some guitars. I do vocals for like two or three songs. And then by like Thanksgiving, everything has to shut down again, right? So like everything goes in total stasis until April. Um, because at the time also Donnie's family owns uh, a couple local pharmacies, like locally owned family run pharmacies. And they right around Thanksgiving, 2020 got up and running what was at the time, the first and only rapid testing site in not just Buffalo, but in like Western and central New York, even. Right. Yeah. I know some people who drove from Rochester out to Buffalo to get a rapid test. Yeah, that, to, like wasn't available here. It was probably yeah, to, to go to Donnie's pharmacy, to Bright Negger pharmacy to their testing site, because the only option other than that was to go to the government site at, in the parking lot, of the Savers arena and like get swabbed and get your results back like a week and a half later, which is no good to anybody. Yeah. So Donnie was, you know, slammed with operating that. My girlfriend actually was a, a manager at that test site. Like it was all hands on deck, you know, doing like thousands of rapid tests a day. Um, so then April of 2021 was when like, you know, vaccines were coming out. COVID was slowing down a little bit for the first time. Um, Donnie had a minute to breathe. The studio was reopened and we were able to get back in there and finish all of the tracking. Um, so we finished tracking Fight to Survive like May 2021, maybe. Sent it again to Taylor. He mixed it. Um, Audio Siege, Brad Boatwright mastered it. Um, and then we just kind of had that in the can for, you know, for a little while there. And then is, is that the one that, that Jared put out on Sore Ear? That's the one that Jared put out on Sore Ear. Um, we had it, you know, we had that chilling. Um, and then, you know, we didn't know fully what we were going to do with it. We were talking about self-releasing and we were talking about shopping it around to some different labels. Um, and then in September of 2021, we played, um, we played uh, the benefit for Anthony Hayward's wife mm -hmm. at um, Photo City after she passed. Um, and uh, we played that, played some of the new songs. And I've known Jared. So Jared grew up in Hornell. You know, I grew up in Wellsville. So I've known Jared now since I was 15 years old, maybe. So like going on 20 years. Um, and he came up to me after the set and he was like, I've been wanting to put out an LP. Like at the time, Sawyer was basically just doing seven inches. It's like, I've been wanting to put out an LP. Like, do you want to do this with me? And I was like, 
honestly, yeah, man, let's do it. Like, it's cool to have, you know, I, I like the idea of like a longtime friend putting it out. Yeah, Jared's like a really great person to have in the city, and I'm grateful that he's here and doing what he does. Yeah. Um, you mentioned like your lyrics and, uh, um, I'm grateful. I'm glad you mentioned those lyrics because when I saw you guys at the bug jar, you had, uh, you kind of give a speech in between some of the songs and, and one of your songs is about racism and white supremacy. Um, and I'm like, glad that people are tackling that head on because that's just such a horrible problem. And it seems like it's gotten worse, honestly, yeah. since I was like younger. Um, so I won't ask you to like kind of rehash your, your cover, your, your lyrics, um, since you already addressed that. Um, um you guys have anything planned uh coming up for for final declaration yeah so ron just had a had a baby um he became a new dad um a, a couple weeks ago um so we're playing april 8th at area 54 it's the bad blood record release um with chokehold and fool's game um and uh and us and someone else playing it's escaping me right now i made the flyer i should know um but so we're we're doing that um we've got some other some other you know shows in the works um oh fatal visions playing duh um some other shows in the works and you know we're kind of in the very early phases of feeling out um writing some new stuff maybe for just like a three or four song ep or something along those lines awesome um so before we start uh you know wrapping things up um do you got any other shout outs uh or, or plugs that you want to get in um i mean you know buffalo hardcore in general um if anyone is listening to this and has been curious about coming to a show in buffalo um, the Instagram Buffalo Hardcore 716 is where we collectively post all the flyers, all the show announcements. Um, it's a great time to get involved with the scene. Come check it out. Start a band. Come to shows. Make a zine. Whatever. Um, that's pretty much it. Just, you know, I love, I love hardcore. Um, I love it. I I say this and it sounds tongue in cheek, but like basically everything I have in my life is in one way or another related to hardcore. Because like honestly, the reason that I like I'm a graphic designer, I knew Buffalo State had a good graphic design program, but like I applied early admission there and only applied there because I knew I wanted to live in Buffalo because I loved going to shows in Buffalo. And that kind of set me on the trajectory of everything. So really like Buffalo hardcore is legitimately the reason for in one way or another, who I am and everything I have in life. Um, and I'm just, you know, I'm honored to be a part of helping pass that to the next generation while also still being an active member of things. Um, because honestly, like, I know that like, this has been said ad nauseum, but there's nothing worse to me than like people who used to be part of a scene who show up once a year at this point, but then want to 
you know, they show up once a year. And then in between that, they talk about like, well, I would go to more shows, but like, this is like this and I don't like that yada, yada. And it's like, so then show up, be a part of it, you know, be the influence that you want to be like, don't talk about it, be about it. And I just hope that I, you know, for as long as I've gotten hardcore, that I'll always be a person who's like actively there interacting, being a part of it, helping out. Cause I never want to be someone who took and then stopped giving back. Awesome. Um, where can people go to f- check out final declaration if they haven't already done so? Um, you know, major streaming, Spotify, uh, Apple music, Bandcamp, Um, and then on, uh, on Instagram, obviously find final declaration on Instagram. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on. Uh, this was a real pleasure and you've got so much going on in Buffalo. It's great that there's a person like you doing the things that you're doing. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, get more people from Buffalo on, get, you know, get Donnie Arthur on, get Brett Byro on, get, you know, these people like Nick Turlecki and Drew Stark and everything, because there's so many people in Buffalo that are contributing to this right now. Like I am truly just one cog in a much larger wheel. The Hardcore Archive podcast is Josh Lyons and Greg Benoit with creative support from Rob Antonucci. This podcast is a product of the Rochester Hardcore community. Theme song provided by Stand Fast. Visit Hardcore Archive podcast on Linktree to listen to past episodes. Follow Hardcore Archive podcast and Enterprise Hardcore podcast on Instagram for updates. If you have an idea for an episode or would like to have your band's music featured during the closing credits, please contact us at hardcorearchivepodcast at gmail.com.
people like me. You need people like me. Shake the point, fucking people, and shake past the background. What that make you good? You're not good. You just know how to hide, how to lie. You see me? I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell the truth, even with that lie. So say goodnight to the bad guy. <laughs>